Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rob Parker, lead pastor at The Plant Church. Our vision is to know Christ and make him known. If you are interested in getting connected or if we can help you in any way, email us at info at theplantchurch.org. Hello everyone, Pastor Jeremy here. I wanna thank you so much for joining us today for our online worship gathering at our online campus. I'm so glad you are here today with us. Let me share with you a story. So my wife, Jody and I, when we had our second child and when both our kids were under four, we decided that we needed to get a larger vehicle. And you know what that feeling's like. When you have two little kids, you have strollers, you have car seats, you have diaper bags, you have all these things and, and all these extra things that, that, that come with kids. And you reali we realize that we need to upgrade from our tiny little Jeep and, and get a bigger vehicle. So we got this larger SUV that could accommodate everything and, and, and fit all their stuff. And the SUV was great. It was, it was a big step up for us in, in, in space and, and it was so comfortable to drive and, and I wanted to keep it in, in pristine condition. It, it was a really nice uh, used vehicle that we got. I got new floor mats. I did everything I could possible. But I tried to convince myself that, that new cars do not need frequent maintenance. And you don't have to budget any money to take care of the expenses of a new car because they're new. They're, new cars are naturally immortal, right? And you know how it goes. Unexpected things happen, especially with cars. And then it sets you back uh, weeks or days. So a few weeks ago, my son Maxwell, who's a lot shorter than me, he's closer, he can see things closer to the ground. He's about the, the, the height, maybe a little taller than the tire, maybe, uh, comes to us and, and, and says, Mom, Dad, why is there a screw in our tire? What's it doing there? And then I took a closer look <clears throat> to the passenger side of the tire. And in fact, there was a screw there. And immediately, my heart sank. I was like, oh no, I have to replace that tire, which means I might have to replace both tires because you have to replace them in pairs. And it wasn't, the tire wasn't losing air, so I didn't want to pull out the screw myself, risking having it risk going flat and then having to get towed. But I, I immediately went into go mode and I started thinking and I started planning, how do I do this? What do I do? And I was thinking, oh man, I just threw out those, those, uh, those Saturday clip coupons that, come, that came in the mail that had coupons for tires and I was debating how do I get it fixed? Where do I get it fixed? How am I gonna get a ride to, to drop it off? And I was debating maybe I don't have to replace the tire, they could just fix it or patch it or do one of these things. But either way, I, I resigned myself to the reality that I had to figure something out. So I take the car to the mechanic. And a few hours later, I get a call back from the mechanic saying, oh, you're all good. And I said, okay, what, you know, what happened? Did you have to, how much does it cost? And he said, no, no, you're all good. The tires are fine, no, no problem, no leak, no problem. And that was the best day of, of that week. I was like, score, that is awesome. Even though, I didn't expect to hear that news. That was the news that I needed to hear. And that made my day. Today, what we're gonna be doing is we're gonna be looking at a story of a man who was so desperate for a solution, so desperate for some good news in his predicament. 
And the advice that, that he, he gets was, was not necessarily what he wanted to hear, but it was what he, was need, what he needed to hear. And this is the story of Jesus healing the man by the pool of Bethesda. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to John chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. John chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. And I'll read it for you. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the Sheep Gate was a pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone always gets there ahead of me. So what do we have going on here? What is the background of the story? So here we have Jesus returning to Jerusalem. He was traveling and he was returning to Jerusalem for for this holy day. We don't know which one. And he is there by the pool of Bethesda, which was in the northern part of the city by the Sheep Gate. Bethesda, that word is translated as house of mercy. And the sheep gate entrance was the entrance through which they brought all the sheep that that were meant to be slaughtered at the temple. Now, the pool of Bethesda was actually two large pools that were next to each other, the size of a football field. And these pools were covered by these five porch areas where people could go out and sit. Historically, it was thought they used these pools to to wash the sheep before they were slaughtered. And and later, they thought that that these pools were actually used for for, uh, Jewish mikvah or or ritual bathing and and ceremonies. And these pools actually have been discovered by archaeologists, which is kind of cool. But what was really unique about these pools was that they had legendary healing properties. It it, it was thought that that they had legendary healing properties. And I'm sure many of you have heard stories from around the world of, of, of springs of water that had healing properties. And, and there was a legend about, the, about these pools. Now, you may notice in your Bible, in some of your Bibles, uh, verse 4 is missing. And it's because they, it's thought to have been added later as a footnote explaining this legend. It said that, that there was a legend that every morning an angel came and stirred the water and, and had it bubble up. And, and when it did, whoever stepped into the water first that day would be healed. So the people thought that every day somebody was healed in, in, in some point or some, some, some context. And because it was a holy day, they probably thought that, that, this, that this day might be an especially lucky day to take a dip in that pool. But either way, there were lots of sick people that, that were around those porches. There were blind people, lame people, people that were paralyzed that would hang out there. After all, it was called the house of mercy. And many of the people that, that weren't able to work, they were just left there maybe to beg. And it was probably a very sad scene to see all these people with infirmities hanging out there, holding out to a glimpse of hope from the water. Maybe most of them were there just, just to beg and, and, and didn't really believe, but we don't know. But in the midst of this scene, with all these people there, the focus shifts to one man who is lying there, 
one man that had been sick for 38 years. You see, the average life expectancy in those days, those ancient days, might have been just in the 40s or 50s. But so this man had been sick the majority of his life. He could not walk. That's the only thing that he had known. And being sick for a long time, he might have been depressed about his situation and accepted his fate with no hope of healing, no hope of walking, no hope of living like everyone else, but only having this small glimmer of hope in the legend of this water that was found in the pool. Then in the midst of this crowd of of sick people staring at this water, Jesus saw him. Jesus saw this man and he knew in his spirit that he had been sick for a long time. And then Jesus asks him this strange question. Would you like to get well? Would you like to get well? And the man said, I can't, sir, for I don't have anyone who can put me in the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone always gets there ahead of me. Would you like to get well? Now, these, this seems like a very silly question to ask, almost like, like an insult to asking someone this question who can't walk. He may have been offended. He may not even known who, who Jesus was. He was probably thinking that, that this is an impossible scenario. But maybe this was the first time that someone took specific interest in him and had asked him that question. For this man, his his only glimmer of hope was a legend of the water. But notice how he answers. He actually, if you notice, he didn't answer Jesus' question. Instead of just saying, yes, I would like to be healed. He said, I can't because he could not get into the water. To him, the, the water was his only shot, his only long shot of a chance of hope to be healed. Maybe in his mind for years, he had, he had dreamed of ways of, of trying to get into that water. Maybe he strategized plans and schemes. Maybe he was trying to figure out an algorithm to get in there. Maybe, just maybe, he hoped that this man, Jesus, or, or whoever this guy was talking to him, was, was talking to him because he, he was going to lift him up and, and help carry him into the water. Wow, maybe I can ask this guy to help me. There might be some of you here right now that have faced crisis situations in your life that that don't leave much room for hope. It could be a health situation. It could be a financial situation. It could be a, a relationship situation or a career situation that looks so impossible. Maybe you have been dealing with a health issue for for 38 years. Maybe you have been living in some kind of nightmare situation for for decades that you wished you could change. Like the man who put his trust in the legend of the water. Maybe we have put our trust and our focus in a worldly solution or a strategy or plan that we've gravitated to or we've tried to hold on to each day. We thought... We've planned, we've debated, we've researched, we've analyzed every possible solution. Maybe we're even fixated or, or obsessed with some method or way in our own effort that we can find a solution. And we ask ourselves, if I only do this, if I only do that, maybe, just maybe, if I only. Like the man 
in this story, many of us are, are so deep in, in our situations, in our crisis, that we can't see outside this world. We can't even imagine the possibility of being set free or being healed. And so we, we stop asking the question that Jesus asks us. Do I want to get well? And we start believing the lie. We say, I can't. Sometimes we stop praying or asking God for big things because we don't believe that God has the power to answer them and we also don't believe that he has a desire to answer us. If that's you, it's time for us to ask the question, do you want to get well? Do I want to get well? Do I want my situation to be transformed? Better yet, are we ready or prepared to ask these questions? Because the answer could mean something totally different than what we think. The answer may be something far greater than what we are asking for. You see, God is our father. He loves us. He has power. And in the midst of a crowd of so many people in the world that have so many needs, your father sees you and sees your request, and sees your needs? Do you trust him in answering that question and having him respond in his own way, in his own timing? Stand up in your faith. John chapter 5, verse, verse 8. Let's see what, what happens in the story. Jesus told them, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. And instantly the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath. So the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. But he replied, the man who healed me told me, pick up your mat and walk. Who said such a thing as that, they demanded. The man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. So while this man had his eyes fixed on the water, his only hope, while he was devising a solution to get into the water, we see one of the most amazing healings of the Bible. Jesus, in his great love and his great compassion, says, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. And instantly the man was healed. He rolled up his mat, and he walked the man was fully and completely under the, the power of God that was poured into his life, proving that this Jesus was indeed the Christ, the chosen one of God. You see, Jesus just didn't give him positive words. He didn't just give him encouragement or advice. Jesus didn't give him special instructions on, on how to to get him into this pool. Jesus didn't say to this man, hey, I, I know these two guys. They, they, uh, once I saw these two guys lower a man through the roof. Maybe you could call them and they'll come and help you lower you into the water. I don't know. He told the man to pick up his mat. Why? You see, his mat represented his identity for years, a bed that, that he was limited to lie on. And as a healed man, he did not need that anymore. In fact, his, his whole identity from his past had been wrapped around the idea that someone would have to carry him around all day and maybe even carry him into the water. But instead, he did not have to be carried, but his new identity was, was now that, that he himself could now stand up and walk and carry his mat away himself. 
and maybe even throw it out. This truly was the house of mercy where this man was healed. Not by the water, not by some strategy, not by some algorithm, and in this case, not even by medicine. Jesus had met the man's needs in a supernatural way that was completely unexpected and so much bigger than what he could have ever imagined. The man didn't have to get a drop of water from that pool on him to touch him. Jesus himself was his answer the whole time. Jesus was his healer. Matthew chapter 11, verse 4 to 5 said, says, Jesus told them, go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen. The blind will see, the lame will walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. You see, when this, when this man was, was healed, did the religious leaders there have this big celebration? Were they celebrating the fact that there was this miracle in, in the temple and, and, and he had been healed? If they did, can you imagine how many people might have turned to, to God that day on that special holiday if they celebrated that? This was the kingdom of God that they were waiting for. This was the kingdom of God that was prophesied through all their prophets, Ezekiel, Malachi, Isaiah. But instead, they said, you can't work on the Sabbath. As you know, the, the Sabbath was supposed to be a day of, of rest and, and focusing on God because God rested after, this cre after his creation. It was a day of connecting with God and remembering his goodness and his greatness. But the religious leaders had, had distorted the, the word and complicated it over the years to the point that, that, that where no work could, could even be done, like picking grain or even carrying a piece of furniture like your, like your mat. And then the religious leaders tried to interrogate him and, and, and find out who did this. And, and, he passed, and the man passed, passed the blame onto Jesus, who was no longer there to be found. You see, the man in the story responded in faith to Jesus' request to stand up. Jesus is asking you today to stand up in your faith. Jesus is asking you today to stand up in the hope and in the possibilities of what he has in store for your life. There are miracles in my life that I'm still waiting to happen. And I'm sure some of you know, I, I've shared this before, I, I struggle with physically with, with, and, and emotionally with a very difficult, um, uh, difficult struggle with concentration. And you might say, oh, everyone has difficulties with concentration. But for some people, it's very debilitating. For me, it's so hard to even read a piece of paper. Instead of reading from left to right, I leave, read from top to bottom and, and miss out half of the details and have all these, these gaps. And, and I can't remember what, what I read and I lose track and I forget all the details. And it's been such a struggle for me academically in school and, and in everything I'm, I'm doing because I'm so motivated to do well, but, but I struggle with this, this challenge, this, this, this inability to, to concentrate, when I feel like my, my body and my, my, my mind are failing me, being oversensitive. I'm 38 years old right now, and there are miracles in my life that, that I'm still waiting for, that I'm asking God for. There are miracles in my life that I'm still asking God for, for my wife, Jodie, for, for my kids, and for even my brother, especially. And I don't know 
why or how Jesus answers certain prayers in his own timing. And I don't understand all the complexities of how he works and why he heals in different ways and what he does and what he's trying to do. But I always have to remember, remind myself this, that Jesus has power, that Jesus sees me, that Jesus has compassion, and that I, as his child, have every right to ask and expect for healing and miracles. And that gives me hope. That gives me hope not just to live passively, but to live an empowered life with authority and with hope. I want to challenge you this morning to stand up in your faith. Would you stand up in faith this morning? Would you stand up in your faith saying that, 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 that your faith is not in chariots or horses or strategies or plans, but, but that my hope is in the Lord? I want to challenge you that despite what is going on in your life or how impossible the, the situation looks, that you could take a stand and say, Jesus, I will not live passively, but I will live actively in your empowerment. I believe you can do anything because you are alive. I believe you are all powerful. I believe that you love me and can do anything, and I trust you with my situation at hand. When you have hope like this, the world may tell you that, that you are not allowed to have this, too, this much hope. The world may tell you you are not allowed to believe in the possible. You have to put everything in this neat little box of faith where everything is safe and sound and, and makes sense. But my challenge to you is this. Stand up in your faith for it can move mountains. Faith is the currency of the kingdom of God. One of my favorite quotes. Your faith sets you up for a new life and a new way of living. You see, God wants you to be well, not just physically well. He wants you to be well spiritually. He wants you to be sanctified. Let's see what happens. John chapter 5, verse 14. But afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, now you are well. Now you are well, so stop sinning, or something even worse may happen to you. Then the man went and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had healed him. So in fact, this story that we're reading about this man, this could have ended right there. This it could have ended in verse 13. If I were to write a story, I would have ended the story right there. The man got up and walked and picked up his mat. End of story. Perfect ending. And to this man, I'm sure that day was, was the greatest day of his life. But what we don't realize is that it was only the beginning. The reason Jesus healed was to point and demonstrate the kingdom of God, a new way of living, a new hope. And in this new kingdom, yes, there was healing physically, but there was also especially healing and transformation spiritually. And what happens is this, that we read, Jesus doesn't end with this man right there. He goes out and pursues him, and he says that he goes and he finds this man and tells him and warns him and tells him this. Now that you are well, stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. You see, his physical healing was to point him to become spiritually well. You know, sickness and illness and death were seen by people at those times as being in that culture as a result of sin. 
But by Jesus reversing his illness, he was pointing to the fact that through him, he could reverse spiritual death. Although he had been healed physically, there was still sin and and death in his heart. His heart hadn't been fully transformed by, 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 by his physical healing with new life. He was making choices and decisions that brought him further and further away from God and brought destruction into his life in some way. But Jesus still had compassion on him. And he came to warn him and said, do not go down this road because it'll lead you to a place of destruction. You see, there are many people in our lives that have asked for that miracle, have prayed and have seen miracles, whether it's healing or bringing prosperity or jobs or or bringing transformations or, or answering a prayer in some way, but there is no change in their lives. They stay, maybe we're some of those people there, we stay in our sinful habits or addictions. You see, the whole point of receiving God's intervention and answer His answers to prayer is for us to live out the new life that he has in store for us, being dependent on his goodness, living out his purpose. You see, Jesus cares more about the spiritual condition of our heart because there are eternal consequences that come with it. So my challenge to you today is this. Turn from your old ways. Think about all that he has done in your life. He has blessed you in so many ways. He's answered so many of your prayers. He's healed you in so many ways. He has set you up for a life to be lived, a life of righteousness, a life of being holy and pure like him. And if you are in Christ, his Holy Spirit is inside of you, transforming you, sanctifying you, taking out the sinful nature and replacing it with his good nature because his life is alive in you. As we close, I I just want to share with you a story. When I was in my early 20s in in college and and just starting out, um, I I was very active in in church. I was very active in uh, in so many different ministries and all these things. And there was was a man that that came to me and said, hey, I want to mentor you. I want to help guide you and mentor you in, in, in your growth with the Lord. And I thought, wow, this is great. This is awesome. I'm going to have a, a cheerleader all the time. I'm going to have someone that, that, that just pats me on the back and says, hey, great job, and, he, and, and just give me the okay and thumbs up to everything and, and really boost my ego. That's, at that time, that's what I thought that, that mentoring was. And, and that by doing that, I, w- I would get to this place that I would be successful. I thought I would be in a place where, where uh, this mentor would just tell me all the things that I, that I wanted to hear and give me that pat on the back. But in reality, he started asking me questions about things that needed to be changed in my life. He started to, to ask me about areas of sin in my life that had to be changed. Jealousy, anger, whatever it could be. And he would ask me these questions. And I was thinking, man, this is not what I wanted to hear. But I realized that that is exactly what God needed me to hear and what I needed to hear. And what he reminded me was this. Is that the reason I I don't pursue sin and and those, those old desires is because 
I've been set apart. As a child of God, I've been set apart. I have a new calling in my life. And that calling is, is to, to follow Jesus and to live that out. So there's no time for the old ways. You see, the man in the stories who was healed, he did not live out his calling. I want to challenge you today to live out your calling. You see, the reason we, we live in patterns of sin is because we have lost our, our mission. We have lost our purpose. But when our eyes are fixed on our identity and our purpose and our mission, we don't have time to think about sin and temptation. When we don't have our mission and our purpose, we seek our identity elsewhere. We allow ourselves to let loose of our choices and our decisions. But when you live out your calling, you are motivated to run hard after God and pursue his holiness. Live out your purpose. You were not created to follow a life of destruction and sin anymore. If you were in Christ, you were created for so much more. If you are here today and if you are dealing with sin right now, instead of trying to manage it or, or trying to devise some kind of solution, be humble. Bring it to God. Ask for his forgiveness. Ask him to pour his transformative power into that situation. He extends love. He extends forgiveness and mercy. And I want to invite you to receive that today. For some of you, you may believe that it's easier for God to do a physical healing in your life than to do a spiritual or emotional healing. And you think, wow, I, I can't. Maybe God can physically heal me, but emotionally and spiritually, I can't change. But let me tell you this. Jesus loves you. He died for you so that you could experience life and life to the full. He doesn't want you to live in sin and death. Would you trust him with your life? Would you trust him with your future? Would you trust him with your calling? When we say that Jesus is our savior, it's not just past tense. He is saving us here now from our predicament. He is saving us from our constant situation and pulling us forward. We're gonna move into a song of worship. And as we sing that song, I just want to invite you to, to think and, and process through those things that we have shared about. Invite Jesus into your heart. Invite him to process and meet you in these areas. Let's worship together. I want to thank you for worshiping with us. I want to thank you for pushing into the things of God. And I want to challenge you as you move on to this week Ask yourself those questions. Do I want to get well? Ask, bring your prayers and petitions before God because he loves you. He wants to meet you. And second, stand up in your faith. Stand firm in your faith and in who God is in your life. And lastly, pursue your calling because when you live out your calling and you pursue your calling, you don't have time for sin. You don't have time for temptation. You have more in store in your life for what he is calling you to and calling you to live for. So let's live that out together as a church. Thank you and God bless.
It was great having you with us today. We do hope that this sermon inspired you to know Christ and make him known. For more sermons and resources, please visit us at theplantchurch.org.